like you're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only by fans and for fans, but about fans. A journey into an eternally bored world whose boundaries are that of good taste. That's the shit post up ahead. Your next stop, the Shibijibi Zone. Hello, horror hounds. Welcome to another episode of Shibijibis. I am your host, Sam Carlson. Once again, brought to you by Eternally Bored Productions. And today we are going to be talking about the Twilight Zone movie from 1983. Got a real throwback here. And today we also have a new guest on the show, which I'm really excited because it's another lady and it's like, you're the third lady we've had on the show. It's been <laughs> such a sausage party. <laughs> new lady, who are you? My name is Nori Ann. This is my first time, guys. Cherry Popcast. <laughs> Hashtag it. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. So what do you do? Um, I work for an investment company that's very boring life. But sometimes my side job is working at comic conventions. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Jay mentioned that he knew you from Alamo City. So how did you get into Alamo City? Um, I was a fan first. So I attended a lot of conventions. And uh, I met Apple, who's, of course, the CEO of Alamo City. And he and I started talking. And I said I'd be willing to help. And he said, sure, come on board, see how you like it. And I've been doing it ever since. Cool. So how many years now? Like five. Ooh, wow. Half a decade. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of fandom are you into? Um, pretty much everything. I like a lot of 80s pop culture mm-hmm. type thing, but I'm also into like classic horror type stuff as well. And I'm all over the map. Okay. As far as like 80s movies that are like beyond horror, like uh, what are some classic 80s movies that you just adore? <sighs> pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club, Brad nice. Pack. All those are my favorites. Nice. So how did you get started? Like, how did you come into horror, though, per se? My mother is actually a very big horror fan. Um, talking, going back to, like, Bela Lugosi, that type of thing. Okay. So since I was little, I've been kind of watching them alongside with her. And just that's how it happened, I guess. Nice. My mom is a big horror fan, too. Um, what was the first horror movie that you remember watching? Oh, my God. Um, I want to say Night of the Living Dead. Oh, the, the original, original. Original, which to this day to me is still very scary. Nice. <laughs> How old were you? I don't even remember. Like super little? I must have been like six or seven. Aw, it's cute. <laughs> yes, I'd close my eyes on the very, very scary parts. <laughs> nice. But how did you, well, how did you come into the Twilight Zone? I guess that kind of segues into um, that. I remember I was about eight years old, I think, when that movie came out. And a lot of those types of movies, that movie, Creepshow, was another one I remember seeing yeah, around that age. It kind of traumatized me throughout my life, I still remember. Um, and Twilight Zone, the movie, was just something that always interested me and kind of scared me a little bit. And I mean, it's in my collection now because I, I just kind of like that movie. Yeah, Creepshow, was that the one that had the roaches in it? It was. Oh, I can't do roaches. No, mm. I can't, can't either. The, the one that actually traumatized me in that movie was the I Want My Cake story about the guy, the, oh, the father. God, that, that one. They cut off his head and then they put it on top of a cake. I don't know if you I remember. feel like that would outweigh the cake. <laughs> yeah, well, my dad decided to scare me one day when I was little. When I went inside the house, we got locked out of the house one time, and I went inside to try to go open the door. It was completely dark, and he yelled that line, I want my cake, and I got so scared because that's all I thought about was that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, so cool. <clears throat> so, like, when... Um, did you watch any of the old Twilight Zone episodes? I watched a few of them, um... 
I don't remember the exact names of them, but I mean, for example, the original, uh, was it Terror at 20,000 Feet with William Shatner? Mm-hmm. Um, I watched that one, in which if you watch it today, the, the gremlin in that one is hilarious the way it looks. But um, that was one I remember. There was another one about um, the guy that uh, was reading a bunch of books and then he's like the last man on earth and his glasses breaks. And he that would be me. He can't, <laughs> he can't read anything. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few that I, I remember watching when I was younger. I think like you know you're the last man on your on earth and your glasses break it doesn't mean you can't read anything it just means you have to be literally up to the page exactly you can do it you'll figure mm-hmm. it out mm-hmm. that wouldn't stop me from reading yeah but still to this day if the classic twilight zone comes on tv and i'm at my parents house my mom's like oh look look this is the one you gotta watch this is the one you gotta watch so yeah yeah, and I mean, so many of those Twilight Zone episodes would also go on to be parodied, like, especially I remember seeing them parodied in Simpsons with, you know, the terror 20,000 yes. feet with uh, Bart on the school bus and the gremlin. Yeah. Yeah, and the other one when he was um, the the boy that could actually wish everything. Exactly, exactly. And what kind of made me start thinking about this movie again was Jordan Peele just came out with mm-hmm. his version of the Twilight Zone series on, on CBS, and I watched the first two episodes of that, and they're kind of trying to take from the older ones but it's a little bit different than what I'm used to remembering so. yeah so what did you think about those because I haven't seen either one and I've I think maybe you know it's like I love Jordan Peele but I just saw us and I need to de- to decompress still yeah you know I don't really know how I feel about Jordan Peele movies to be honest mm-hmm. like they're interesting they're kind of creepy but they just kind of make you ask a lot of questions and maybe that's what his whole intent is and these two episodes I saw the first one was called The Comedian they have a lot of big celebrities in these movies but the first one was called The Comedian and it was just about a comedian that makes people disappear by having them in his act which was kind of different not a magician (laughs) something like unless you're like the amazing jonathan in which case yeah i guess you could do that something like that and then the second one was a a remake of the terror at twenty thousand feet but it was called terror at thirty thousand feet and what i liked about that story was that it took fears that we have today like when we get on a plane now what do we think terrorists we think you know the plane's gonna go missing and that's what he uses yeah. in this one versus the old twilight zone when he's on the plane yeah so. but now we just have to worry if it's like a boeing 737 <laughs> exactly exactly that's our new fear <laughs> exactly so so it was interesting but i still kind of appreciate the older version better so who is do you know who was uh, playing the william shatner role in this new uh, one yeah, he's a comedian i forget his name he came out on um parks and recreation he played the boyfriend of uh oh, what's his name um it's of amy poehler's boyfriend oh Jay, can you look that up for us, please? Who is that? Because I, I, I feel like I probably know who this is, but I don't. Because <laughs> I don't watch Parks and Rec. I didn't have TV for a long time. <laughs> Who am I looking up? Amy Poehler's boyfriend in Parks and Rec. Yeah, that guy. I forget his name. Yeah. Yeah, on that one, he's like listening to a podcast, and the podcast is telling him that the plane's going to crash, so he's trying to prevent the plane from crashing the whole flight. Which is completely different from the whole gremlin. I don't think that's how podcasts work. Aspects. <laughs> I mean, we're on one now. Can we do that? Can we like? Can we say that the plane is going to crash? Maybe somebody is going to listen to this at some point this and have a have a freak out. Yeah. Yeah, but it's always a little. That's going to be different. Final Destination Six. <laughs> oh Lord. So, I guess uh, we can start with the beginning. Oh wait, we have an update. Who is this? Uh, okay, those are none of the people. Okay, we're trying to figure out who there the guy... Is. Adam Scott. Oh, 
Oh, that motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, that's who he he's the one on the plane. Yeah, actually it's weird. I was on YouTube watching clips of Hellraiser Bloodline and I think Adam Scott is also in that movie because is he? yeah, I saw somebody who looked like somebody else and it turned out to be Adam Scott and I'm just like it's always he's 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 got that face. It's like I've seen him before, but I don't know his name and I'll never know his name. <laughs> Yeah, that was me. I saw him. Like, I know him from somewhere, but where? Yeah, I did like him. He was in a, a Netflix original movie called um, Little Evil, where oh. he was playing the dad to. Uh, well, he was uh, playing uh, the boyfriend of this mother, and the mother had apparently gotten knocked up with the son of Satan, something like that. Oh my gosh. It was really cute, though. <laughs> um, he did a great job in that. It was more of a dark comedy than anything. Yeah. Well, this one he's in, and, and he does. He does an okay job too in this one. Yeah. So. Anyway, getting back to the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, comprised of basically uh, it's four segments. Are they all directed by different people? Because I know there's... They are. There's okay. a different director. John Landis does the first segment. Yes, John Landis is the first one, and Steven Spielberg does the second one. Yeah, and um, then Joe Dante does the third one, which is The Wishing Boy. Yes. And the re- and I picked that, and I was like thinking to myself, as soon as that giant-ass rabbit came out of the hat in the third segment, I was like the fuck is this? Is Joe Dante? I'm like, yes. I'm like, oh. Yeah, you can right. tell he has like, like a gremlin. Okay. Exactly, that gremlin's aspect you could totally see in that one. Yeah, Dick so. Miller has a brief role in there yeah, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. And Bart Simpson's voice is in there <gasps> oh too. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, yeah. Bart Simpson's in that one as well. Yeah, so. as Ethel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it was so strange because I was like, Man, that voice sounds really familiar. Like I've seen, like I've heard it a million times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, I like the uh, the prologue to this because, like, five minutes into the movie, we're breaking the fourth wall. Like, yeah. just you know, flipping the table. Fuck it. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. So we've got Dan Aykroyd, who I guess he's playing a hitchhiker, and then the guy that's driving is Albert Brooks, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. who I believe also worked on The Simpsons for a little bit at some point. I've seen his name in the credits. I hope so. I think you're right. I'm not yeah, sure. maybe. Honestly, at first I thought it was Chevy Chase. And what is that movie with the two of them? Is it Sneakers that I'm thinking of? Um, I don't remember. Uh, no, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what it's called. Oh, that. Uh, yeah, that other that other '80s movie. Though. <laughs> the other '80s movie. Somebody else is sh- somebody is shouting at me at home right now. I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. How do you not know? I was born in '84. I haven't seen everything. <laughs> So I was I honestly thought it was Chevy Chase for a second, um, but I do like that prologue how they're talking about uh, the Twilight Zone at at some point because they're doing yes. t- they're doing TV theme songs to pass the time, and they're talking about Burgess Meredith. Yes, who also does the opening for this yes. movie. He's the voiceover for actually the whole movie. So yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That is, yeah, and then you know I you know we had some Rod Serling the old stuff cut in at the very very end yep. you know because we got to give the nod to Rod Serling exactly. I think that first the prologue of that was probably the scariest of the whole movie for me anyway because you're not expecting that at all it's just Dan Aykroyd having a conversation there about the old Twilight Zone movies or shows and then all of a sudden he says that famous line you want to see something really scary and then it's this huge monster that breaks the guy's neck I mean that's just horrible <laughs> I remember I was so scared when I saw that yeah and you know it's hard for me because every time I see Dan Aykroyd it's like I'm all I, I just always think of him as like I don't think of him as Dan Aykroyd playing a part I think of him as Dr. Ray Stans in this in a in, in, in this movie for some yeah. reason <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so to me, that was one of the scariest parts of the whole movie and something that also traumatized me when I was a child, so. <laughs> nice. Uh, I mean, not nice that you were traumatized as a child, but nice that it scared you enough to traumatize you. Yeah. 
So what did you think about segment one? That was the one called Time Out, I believe. Yes, it was with Vic Morrow. R.I.P.D. Yes, I know. Um, when I was saw it the first time, obviously I was young, so I didn't quite understand a lot of what was going on at the time. I mean, I was eight, eight years old, and I was like, God, this guy is really mean. Like, that's the only thing I could remember thinking. It wasn't until I got a little older... I realized like what that was all about. Yeah. Um, he played this, you know, racist, bigot guy, and then he was thrown into this world of Nazi Germany and you know Vietnam and uh, uh, and then the KKK exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. But I think the real horror of that was what actually happened during the filming of that mm. um, segment. And that, again, I didn't realize the whole story till, till I got older, that he was decapitated. Him and one of the children were decapitated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really horrible to, to find out what had happened. And I think it was John Landis who kind of was maybe his fault. Don't want to yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie because it's like, you know, everybody was criminally acquitted. Mm-hmm. But there were, of course, civil cases that were settled, and the parents of the uh, the kids got millions of dollars and whatnot. Yeah. But John Landis kept going, uh, wanting to have this shot of this helicopter because uh, I'm guessing this was in this was part of the uh, the Vietnam portion, where uh, Vic Morrow, his character, is trying to get these two kids to safety across a river or in a river, and they're supposed to be like a helicopter I guess it's getting lower on them and John Landis just keeps going go lower go lower go lower and then something uh, it sounds like from what I was reading something got detonated at the wrong moment Mm -hmm. and fucked up the tail um, the tail rotor and that's what caused the helicopter to spin out of control and decapitate Vic Morrow and the kid and landed on the other kid and Yes. What a, a horrible, horrible tragedy. Yeah, I and mean, they have, I think, that scene on YouTube, um, you know, for people who want to look that up and look at it. Um, doesn't actually show the decapitation or anything, but it does show the actual accident. And it's just horrible to know that during the filming that that, that happened. And I think it kind of changed the story, too. I mean, it did, yeah. I, I think originally they wanted it to end where he lives and um, he becomes a changed man or whatever. But the studio was like, no, we want you to put this extra scene in there. And that was the scene, him carrying the kids across the river, that they wanted to put in to make you feel more for, for the character and sympathize with him. And you know tragically that happened yeah you know that was i mean i'm sure that would have uh i I don't know i think like with twilight zone the reason that we have a lot of these stories is to kind of make you reflect on your actions and kind of make you reflect on your life so i mean i think the way that was presented in the movie was good i wish they hadn't tried to put in that other ending because you know we lost three people because of it but you know shit happens yeah so that first one you kind of it kind of ends a little like weird like well what happened but now you know why it ended the way it ended because they couldn't really shoot a lot uh, yeah because he passed on so also there are so many racial slurs in that first segment i was like i can't there is i was like i'm this movie's this is too much yes and it's right when he walks into that bar he just starts going off and i was thinking wow nowadays like if we (laughs) to put this on people would be like oh my god yeah mm -hmm. you know it's funny because like we couldn't get away with that these days no and i mean i understand um why we can't and why you know why we necessarily shouldn't because those are you know those are extremely hurtful but considering the context that they're in i get it it's just kind of like it's like uh it kind of you know i I don't think it matters what real what race you are if you have empathy for somebody else if you're hearing those things they do kind of cut to the bone when you're hearing them that starkly 
Yes, yes. I think that's the point they were trying to put across is that, you know, this was a person that you were going to hate in the beginning Mm -hmm. and then see him transform into this other person at the end of the story. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I have to I have to take some issue with their use of Asian slurs, though, (laughs) because he's talking about like the uh, like a Japanese bank owns his home and he fought in Korea, but then he's in Vietnam. And I'm like, Not all Asian people are the same. (laughs) Just pick one. Did you fight in Korea and Vietnam? Okay, that's fine. But like, you know, I mean, Korean slur, different from a Vietnamese slur. Yeah. I only know that because my grandfather fought in Korea and Vietnam. He wasn't the most racially sensitive person. (laughs) So, but yeah, that was like, you know, maybe kind of pick pick one. Stick with that. Stick with that. Stick with that. Yeah. But you know, I, you know, it was a good segment. Uh, the next one we go into is uh, the one at the nursing home. Yes, I think that one was called "Kick the Can," mm-hmm. um, which uh, had Scatman. Yes, in that one. Yeah. Yes, I just watched The Shining too the other yes. day. Yes, yeah, he's in that one. He goes to different uh, retirement homes and tries to bring joy to, I guess, the people that are there, and they play a game of kick the can and become young again and revisit their youth, I guess. Yeah. So it, that one was more of a kind of like an emotionally sad story. Nothing really horrible happens in that one. But it does make you think like, what would you do? What would you do if you had to relive everything again and see people that you love die again and all that stuff that you had to do when you were younger? So yeah. that's kind of made you think. But yeah, that was the second one in the, in the story. Yeah, I think um, I'd probably agree with Mrs. Cox. You know, I would want to wait or Mrs. Dempsey. Dempsey, I believe. Dempsey, yeah. Because uh, she was the one that wanted to stay old. She wanted to stay 80 because there wouldn't be, like, her husband had died and there wouldn't, you know, she yeah. started her life over again. He wouldn't be there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd probably be the same way. Yeah. I mean, it's like I wouldn't want to start my life over. Mm-hmm. And I believe, what, at the end, there's only one that actually stays young and Mr. Yeah, Mr. Mr. AG. Because yeah. he's like, he already like skated through life fine. He's like, I could do another run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he jumps out the window and leaves and, and they're Peter l- panning the fuck out. Yep. And they're looking for him at the end and he just decided that he just wanted to stay young. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's uh, somebody in there named Mrs. Cox who is played by Priscilla Pointer mm-hmm. who... I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Jay. Jay, stop. Stop touching things. <laughs> Who uh, she actually played um, the uh, Doctor Sims in Nightmare on Elm Street three, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize this, but I was hashtag today years old when I found out that Priscilla Pointer is also the mother of Amy Irving, who played Sue Snell and Carrie. Oh, and she actually played Sue's mother and Carrie too. Wow, I was like, what are you? <laughs> How did I know this? Exactly, I didn't know that either. So that was that was very crazy. Wow. That was kind of uh, you know, kick the can was kind of a way to you know slow it down, kind of come back down from all the stuff that we did in time out kind of settle the crowd down yeah and i mean a lot of people didn't like that one they said it was kind of kind of boring and ironically that was the one that steven spielberg directed so you would think it would have been maybe a little more exciting but it it wasn't all there i guess didn't he have kids been by by the 80s and he was all like you know touchy-feely fuzzy and et and shit maybe so maybe that's what it was yeah <laughs> yeah but that was the one that he directed and and you're right maybe after seeing the first story and then seeing that one it kind of 
you know, kind of needed that, I guess. Yeah, it kind of makes sense because I was thinking about it like um, if you have like a big, like I watch a lot of pro wrestling. So if you have like a big wrestling pay-per-view or something, you want to have the good curtain jerker to get the crowd real going, Mm -hmm. you know, really going. And so that's what we had with Time Out. And then you want to kind of bring the energy back down, settle everybody down. Yeah. And that's what Kick the Can was. That's what Kick the Can was, exactly. Yeah. And then we kind of have to start ramping up the energy. So then we go into, um, what was the name of the third segment? Because uh, I can't think of it. I just think of it it's as It's a good life. Oh, it's a good life. Yes, yes. And that's, the, these next two are the ones that were like, okay, now it's starting to get really good and really creepy and really scary. And these are the, probably the two of my favorite from the actual movie. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the one where a little kid, um, what's his name? I forget his name now. Um, oh, um, what's his, I don't is it Danny? His, no, no. I'm thinking of the shining. Anthony. 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 Yes. Close. Anthony. Uh, he gets hit on his bicycle by a school teacher named Helen who accidentally backs up to him and knocks him over on his bike. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. When, when I watched that scene of her backing up into him, <laughs> That had to have been a little person doing that stunt because it was like, bam. Oh, my God. Somebody yeah. got concussed from that like, stunt. Wow. Like, that was a hard hit. But, yeah, so she... He's feels not bleeding or anything. His bike's a little no, messed up. No. No. So, of course, she feels bad for him and, you know, offers to give him a ride home. And, you know, she arrives at this really strange, cartoony-looking house, uh, notices a whole bunch of old run down beat up cars that probably aren't working for years and walks into um it's outside san antonio <laughs> <laughs> walks in to meet his family who is just really happy to see her there um not knowing that this family was created by him of people who had maybe gone to his door and he kind of kidnapped them and held them hostage there pretty much yeah, I was, you know, and again, the cartoons obviously, like, you know, were very kind of like, you know, something's really off around this house. Yes, yeah, and that also traumatized me when I was little because, yeah. you know, you're little, you watch cartoons, and he throws his sister in that cartoon to be eaten alive by that, I don't know, monster dragon or whatever it was and I was like oh my god is that gonna happen to me like I was so scared when I saw that because you don't see those things that's true and then like his other sister Sarah they just like took away her mouth I'm like fuck that yes fuck that that is the creepiest scene of that story where they pass by her room and she has like no mouth I know I'm just like how is she like what how does she get food is going through her belly button it's like what did he do to her yeah, it was so creepy. But what I did like about that one is the special effects. Like, yep. the the monsters or whatever came out of the hat that the uncle was doing the magic show with and whatever comes out of the TV. I mean, that was really good special effects that were done in that one. Oh, I love puppets. I love puppets so much. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. I'm so, like, I, I really miss, like, good puppet work like that. You know, and it's like, of course, this is Joe Dante. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if we did that today, we'd be doing CG and it wouldn't look as good. No. You know, I understand that CG is technically less expensive, but I feel like a good puppet would be worth it in the long run. Yeah. Jay, is your phone going off again? My iPad is going off. Oh, okay. (laughs) Someone dick-timing you? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You can edit that out. It's fine. (laughs) We're leaving that in. Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's what you said. Nah. (laughs) On a roll. Anyway, back to puppets. Back to other things with things stuck up their asses. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. I'm obnoxious. I apologize. <laughs> but um, yeah, that one. I, I liked that one because of that, because of the whole uh, special effects and the 
puppetry they used and being a little kid watching that to me was like oh this is so neat and this is so scary and so I liked that yeah, and there's something really, like, I understand uh, why Jordan Peele is afraid of rabbits. Like, if he watched this growing up, I'd be afraid of <laughs> rabbits, too. Yes, yes. I thought a nice little fluffy rabbit was going to pop out when he first pulls out that little fluffy rabbit. But then you see the next one, you're like, oh, oh, oh nah, fuck that. what is that? Nah. <laughs> Peace out. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that was mm-hmm. creepy. Mm-hmm. That was really creepy. Actually, what it reminded me of is like, why hasn't, do, why don't we have a Benicula movie? Do you remember oh, Benicula, remember that, that vampire rabbit? Yes. Yes. Maybe we will have one soon. Oh, I would love that. Can we get Jordan Peele on that as well? <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Just saying, Jordan Peele, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> Benicula. Yes. Your next so. project. Yeah. No, I, I actually think, um, I really like this one. This is probably my second favorite one after the next segment we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, Kathleen, Ka- Kathleen Quinlan as uh, as Helen Foley, man, she's just very like um, her acting is just very kind of like magnetic and mm-hmm. very understated. But it's almost a little creepy when she's talking about I'll be with you forever and I'll teach you how to use your powers. I'm like. That's a little Mary Kay Latorno. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of strange. Yeah. But it was a little disturbing. <laughs> it was kind of strange, but yet you were like, okay with it. Like, okay. Like, yeah, it's like let her mm, control his powers or whatever. stories. We've only got so much time. <laughs> We've only got so much time in the movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I did like her character, though, because uh, she was very much like, I'm not going to really buy into any bullshit. I'm going to call it out like peanut butter on burgers. And ew. I know. Ew. That was so gross. Ew. You can never. <laughs> swallow that like uh, all the grease oh that was so good and the peanut butter oh yes and watching the same like show every day on tv i was like they're oh. all they're all looney tunes reruns <laughs> yep all the mm-hmm. old looney tunes com- uh, cartoons over and over yep yep and that one was also a remake of a of an older classic twilight zone episode as well i think on that one he made them watch a bunch of dinosaurs on tv or something like that mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that one was parodied in The Simpsons, but I don't remember that particular Treehouse of Horror that they did. All I remember is the the line, it's good that you did that, Bart. That was about, <laughs> that was about it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of funny how Bart Simpson is on this episode. Like, he's on, like, I know, they parodied half of the Twilight Zone movie. <laughs> yep, yep. So, <clears throat> in our last segment, we've got the terror at 20,000 feet again. Yes, we do, which of course is my favorite. I think a lot of people's favorite in this movie. Um, This time, instead of William Shatner, we have John Lithgow, who I think is a really great actor. Um, playing the nervous, you know, guy on the on the flight. He's afraid of crashing. Uh, you know, he's causing a ruckus on the plane, and uh, he's insisting that the plane's going to crash because he sees something on the wing of the plane. That like his acting gave me so much anxiety. Yes. I mean, I understand that's what he's there to do. Yes. Like he's there to to act, and he's doing a great job of it. But, like, watching him do this is, like, giving me anxiety, like, straight yes. up. And I'm like, ugh. He's profusely sweating, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, it does give me anxiety as well. Yeah. No, he nailed it for sure. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, like, the thing on the wing, though, it looks like Jim carries the Grinch. <laughs> it kind of does, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, but it looks way better than the original classic gremlin they used because that one was just hilarious. What did that look like? It looks like a giant Muppet gorilla or something. It was just like so weird looking. And ironically, in Jordan Peele's second uh, episode of his new one, the, on the beach they show something stranded on the on the beach, and it's actually a toy of that original gremlin. Weird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't look anything like the gremlin on this one. This one's a little scary. Yeah. I mean, I remember, because, you know, obviously Simpsons did it, uh, you know, the Treehouse of Horror with the gremlin on the bus, I think that's kind of what made me think that this gremlin looked like the Jim Carrey Grinch gremlin. <laughs> I mean, Jim Carrey Grinch. That was... <laughs> Jim Carrey wasn't playing a gremlin. That's a totally other... That's a totally different series of movies. <laughs> no, but it did kind of remind me of uh, Jim Carrey uh, as the Grinch, yeah. uh, just watching it the Treehouse of Horror, and then that's why I think that this kind of just, you know, reminded <clears throat> me even more of that. It does. Now that you mention it, it does, especially that scene where he opens the window and the face is just pressed up against the window. That was, like, scary. Yeah. Also, it's like, how is he not, like... He's getting... There's a part where he shoots out the window... And he's getting sucked out the window because, of course, you would because yeah. of the plane. Yes. I don't know how he survived with the lack of oxygen. Exactly. And what's funny is I watched this again not too long ago because it came on TV with my sister, who is a flight attendant, by the way. Oh, my God. And she's watching this with me going, okay, the pilot would never come out there and do this. And the flight attendants would have never put up with this. Mm-hmm. And they would have they so would landed the plane immediately. Exactly. So we're like laughing and like, oh, he's just holding a gun in the air. Like, no, that's not going to happen. So she was critiquing the whole movie because she's just used to it. But it was just so funny. I have to ask, did she have an issue? with the fact that when he shot out the window none of the none of the the little the little things that drop that you can the, so you can breathe none of those yeah, dropped none of those because dropped. there's no there's no difference in air pressure all of a sudden yeah she had issue with a bunch of things in that specific episode oh my god <laughs> yeah so we watched it again it was funny <laughs> it took on a whole other view oh man i enjoyed that quite a bit though and i mean like i think it's like uh it was kind of like a great allegory for anxiety in general yeah you know because i mean i have like super bad anxiety anyway it's probably why i got anxiety from john lithgow you know because it's like every time i see him in progresso soup commercials does the same thing does the same thing to me yeah you know Mm -hmm. well the thing is is that i hate flying like i love traveling but i hate flying and i my first out of the country trip I felt like John Lithgow when I was in that plane I totally did I kept telling my friend I'm gonna be John Lithgow on this plane in five minutes because that's exactly how I felt did the flight attendant offer you some sedatives Uh, I think I just drank like a crown and coke or something and I was okay after that but I totally felt like that the whole flight so man how long of a flight it was an 18 hour flight where (laughs) I went to India damn yeah oh shit yeah 18 hours yeah yeah. so I was constantly thinking the plane was gonna crash is there a gremlin on here somewhere like that's how I was thinking Oh, God. That's the worst. Oh, my God. Yep, yep. So I was totally John Lithgow during oh. that flight. Yeah, see, the best thing you can do is, like, find a way to make yourself unconscious and then hope you wake up at your destination. <laughs> yes, yes. Hopefully next time when I travel. Yeah. Uh, the longest flight I've been on was probably f- in total 15 hours. I mean, we had to make a transfer because I went to Japan, like, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, 
I cannot sleep on an airplane. Oh yeah, to I save my life. I can sleep literally anywhere else. Yeah, no, no. My friend nah. was passed out, and I was like wide awake the whole time. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like you're just like I need to be alert just in case anything goes wrong. Exactly. What was funny? I was watching a bunch of movies on there. I was actually watching Jordan Peele's Get Out on that flight too. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I just had to stay awake and make sure I knew what was going on this whole flight. <laughs> so yeah, that was me. Also, you know, the part where John Lithgow is like kind of like he's halfway well, kind of through the window trying to get the gremlin. The gremlin just goes up to him and like goes like puts its hand against his face and it's all slimy. Yes. And just says, no, no, no. Like that. No. Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. And then just disappears. Like, did he change his mind? Like, what happened there? Yeah. And why is your hand so slimy? Yeah, so... What that is was, on that? And then the end, you know, he they land and everybody thinks he's just some crazy guy, but then they see that the plane is destroyed on half the side, so... Yeah. They know that something, something's going on, and then Dan Aykroyd pops up again, which is the best. Yeah, and we're playing that Midnight Special again. Yes. He's talking about, hey, you want to see something real scary? Yes! Every time that song, if I hear that song today, it still creeps me out, because I think about that. Yeah, and you know, that was a good way to wrap up the movie, but you know, what I also was kind of like I couldn't think of why exactly this reminded me of what it was uh, familiar with uh, familiar to me with uh, but did you ever see Phantoms it had Rose McGowan Leah Schreiber in it <sighs> was it based off the book by Dean yes. yes I did okay there's that part where Leah Schreiber is like hey you know in the trailer hey you want to see something scary yeah like that's what it reminded me of because you've got that Patsy Cline song playing all throughout that movie yep exactly ah. mm-hmm. so yeah when I hear that song or someone says you want to see something really scary I still think of like my child I know. I'm like, nah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go now. Yeah. I'm bye. Because this this could be the Twilight Zone movie. Yep. Yep. So that's how it ends, which I think was a great a great ending to that movie. Oh yeah. No, it was a perfect way to wrap it up. Yeah. Definitely. But goddamn, John Lithgow, man, I can't. I can't with his acting. Like, it's too much. I know, I know. I, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in Pet Cemetery, but, you know, at the same time, he's just not Fred Gwynn. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not. He's a great actor, but yeah, he's no Fred Gwynn. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't replicate that accent. No. <laughs> no. I think I was listening to some podcast where somebody was asking, how does, how does a face like Fred Gwynn's exist? Like, how is that a face? <laughs> Yeah, poor Which Fred is a Quinn. Great question. Like he was just born to be a Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, but I want to see the new Pet Cemetery too. I haven't seen it. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm holding out hope. Yes, reviews haven't been great, but I don't care. I'm still going to see it at some point. Well, the classics are normally always better than the remakes, so we'll see. Oh, I can't wait for that Child's Play movie. Oh, I know. No. <laughs> I know. Is Mark Hamill's the voice of Chucky in this Oh, one? no. Yeah, we'll Can see I, how that goes. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so that's pretty much, that was pretty much the movie. I enjoyed it. I have never, I had never <clears throat> seen that movie until last night. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's in my collection, like of a must-have movie for me. I don't know. I, I like it. It's just one of my favorites from the 80s. Yeah, and I, I mean, tell someone to watch it. I think I always like. I never watched a lot of the old Twilight Zone episodes, the black and white ones, you know, because mm-hmm. I ended up seeing Outer Limits before Twilight Zone, and yes. then I was like, "But this one's in <clears throat> color." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the only reason why I started to remember this movie again was because, like I said, Jordan Peele came out with his new one on CBS, and I wanted to compare the two and. I prefer the the classic one. So yeah, did you see Us? By the way, I did. Thoughts? I don't really know what to think about it. I had many questions yeah. at the end, and I thought it was creepy, 
but I felt like it could have been done better, but then I had questions. I, I really don't know how to feel about it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to like it more than I did. I yes. liked it. I just wanted to, I liked to get out better. Yeah. I just thought that was a more coherent story overall, but I still think, you know, I think Jordan Peele's stuff is going to be one of those, those movies that... You're going to look, you know, they're going to age extremely well Mm -hmm. and they're going to be appreciated much more than they are like when they came out. You know, give it maybe like five years. People are going to be like, you know, very much more invested in all the symbolism. Yes. Yeah. Those are those are really going to hold up. But I think, you know, maybe at this point we don't really know what to think about them. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I dissected it as much as I could dissect it. And then I was like, hmm, but I still have questions. (laughs) Yeah, I have questions, too. Like, just go up the down escalator. But (laughs) exactly. That's still my biggest problem. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, if you haven't seen the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone, it's it's worth a watch, I guess. Yeah. I think they do one episode a week or something, but you have to subscribe to the CBS All Access. Uh, I don't really think That's there's the anything on thing. CBS Access yeah, I really want to watch not besides really. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing about it. Yeah, I know. I'm already subscribing to Netflix and Hulu, and I already don't keep up with those. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to wait on that. Yeah. I'm going to wait till something goes to Hulu. Mm-hmm. Did you get it free? But I... I'm lazy, and I don't want to have... I mean, yes, it it was free, but... I mean, technically. We won't talk about where my day job is. Okay. (laughs) So, anyway, as we start to wrap up the episode, any other thoughts you want to share on the movie, though? Um, Because you have all these notes written down there. Oh, no, it was just so I wouldn't forget, but... Uh, really, it's just, if you're a fan of 80s classic car type movies in the 80s, I would suggest this one. It's it's one that you definitely have to see. Definitely have to see. So Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. You know, mm-hmm. I thought it was a blast, you know, especially Joe Dante's. <clears throat> yes. Oh, fucking love puppets. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but anybody that would like to share their thoughts and opinions, especially on the use of racial slurs in segment one, because it's like, yeah. can't do that these days. And it was like... Mm-hmm. Uh, Ah, I don't know. Yep. I have I have very complicated feelings on whether or not that's appropriate. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But given the context, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so you guys can always hit us up. We are on Twitter, Sheebie-Jeebies. Facebook, same thing, Sheebie-Jeebies. Instagram, Sheebie-Jeebies. You can also send us an email, Sheebie-Jeebies at Outlook.com. But until next time, don't get into an ambulance with <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Thank you.